Hello and welcome to the public feed of Under the Skin. In this free portion of my conversation with James Nestor, who you're going to love, he wrote Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art and Deep Free Diving, Renegade Science and What the Ocean Tells Us About Ourselves. I had a wonderful conversation with him about um, like the, how fundamentally important breathing is and how breath and health are obviously inextricably linked. And he talks about it in such a plain and scientific way. I think you're going to love this conversation. In this bit, he talks about our, the ability of breath techniques to reduce diabetes and autoimmune diseases. And uh, we talk about replicating the conditions of our origin. I'll have brought that up. And he talks about politicising, you know, how the book sort of is inevitable that a subject like this becomes politicised. Anyway, you're going to love this conversation. And if you do like it, I really hope that you'll consider downloading Luminary, going over to luminarypodcast.com and getting your week's free trial where you'll be able to listen to Under the Skin, loads and loads of other great podcasts from brilliant uh, content providers for as little as $2.99 penny pieces per month with their annual plan. Plus, as I said, there's a seven-day free trial. Anyway, have a listen to this, and if you like it, go over and sign up. Have you got yourself a boyfriend or a girlfriend or anyone? I went to... on a date. Who'd you go on a date with? I don't want to talk necessarily talk about it because she knows that I do the podcast and she might listen. But no, I'm just that, so. Why can't we just talk about it? What if... Because um, of your private life. What if it's not... Uh, sure, sure. Was it a date or are you lying? Oh, well, I assume it was a date. Hmm. How do you know if it's... Why wouldn't it have been a date? This is a date. I didn't know her prior. Did she contact you online? Yeah. And she goes, do you want to go meet up for a socially distanced walk sometime? Yeah. Yeah. Did you respect social distancing throughout? Yeah, we were outside the whole time. Where'd you go? What'd you do? Got a coffee and Norwich. Got a coffee and and Norwich. Yeah. Did you enjoy the vibe? Yeah, I think I'm emotionally unavailable. <laughs> Jen, I pray you're emotionally unavailable. I pray you are. Oh, see, I shouldn't say that because what if she listens? I haven't told her. G- whoever you are, mystery coffee and Norwich woman, Jen oh, no. is not emotionally unavailable. Oh. She's a good woman. Oh. She's a kind person. Just don't study her too deeply, <laughs> is what I'd invite. Now, you, I think the more you know Jenny, the more you like her. So really? I would suggest another <laughs> socially distanced, responsible date in and around East Anglia. <laughs> Maybe it go was nice Kings going Lynn. into a city. What was it like? I just liked being in a city again. Have you not been to a city for a while? Yeah. What are you, a bumpkin? No. What are you, a yokel? Well, because you're from sailor? that... sailor? <laughs> You're from that little village in Ireland, aren't you, where everyone came out to yeah. wave you off? Dublin. You, yes, that little yeah, village. Yeah. And they all waved you off when you came over to the big yeah. smoke to work I with all of I don't know why life. you like this story <laughs> so much. I don't know. Well, I do like it, though, Jen. Now, that, if you are listening to this, James, I'm sorry that we're doing this. But some people like what we call the banter decanter, live with Jenny May Finn. And I'd like a sting. Okay, what do you make I'll a put sting? a sting in. All right, I'm going to listen to this. Are you? Yeah. Really? No, but I'd like you to <laughs> so play put it, it to me. So I'll put it in now. sting. Yeah. Banter decanter. I'd like it to be like okay, capital say gold. Banter decanter, decanter, decanter. Like that, <laughs> okay, one of those ones. <laughs> like I want it to sound like it's from space. Okay. Thanks. Banter decanter. 
Now time for comments. Comments, comments. I'd like a thing there. Oh, Why don't God. you do some production? You've got nothing else to do except uh, wander around Norwich sipping oh, coffees. It's the only thing I've done in a while. Well, it's affecting your work, Jen. <laughs> it's affecting the quality of your work. I think it's best But you, you told me I have to meet people. I've changed my mind. Yeah. Don't meet people. I have a question. Go on. <laughs> Which is more important, being happy alone or finding someone? God, that is a good question, isn't it? <laughs> I think if you're happy alone. But what if you're just generally unhappy? Should you be happy alone or find someone? All right, hold on. Let me break this down. <laughs> There should be no obligation to live in accordance with what could potentially be socially designed forms of living, like cohabitation or partnerships, particularly the heterodoxy that has dominated culture in you know countries such as ours, European post-colonial nations. But there is some evidence to suggest that people are comfortable cohabiting. But there's a lot of right in there. There's shamanic wizard people. Like that, like I could be if I could stand to be alone for more than a few <laughs> seconds. Like, and there's people like that are content to be alone in reflection and devotion and dedication. But there are other people who are spending time on their own because they're essentially afraid of opening up their heart <laughs> and getting hurt. I don't now, know which one me. are you? I'm not that. I like being alone. You like it down by the sea. Yeah, but then if I'm sad, people are like, well, maybe you're lonely. But then I shouldn't be looking for someone to make me happy, right? That's true. You know, So then you shouldn't look for someone. Look, my if personal you're, if belief... If you're not happy. My personal belief, Jen, if you wouldn't mind... <laughs> I think it's best you stay alone, mostly because you're a pain in the ass. And why should anyone else suffer? <laughs> but my feeling is, is that we have to find within ourselves, as the Buddha says, a home in our hearts, a place within ourselves where we can be at ease. Or as Christ says, the kingdom of heaven is within. I wish I could think of something for the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, but I don't know enough about the Quran just yet. But I bet he says something like that, you've got to find everything within you. Of course he will. So I reckon you have to start from that point and then you don't need to make a decision. You don't need a policy. If you're finding your contentment through personal practices and connection with your inner nature, outer nature, relationships with others through service then whether or not you have a romantic relationship or partnership is secondary incidental a personal choice and across one lifetime you could be a person that wants to be alone or a person that wants to cohabit i have times where i think that if my family life didn't work out i don't think i could go back to promiscuity or i can't envisage being in a different kind of relationship i think i'd have to go full druid full druid you know robes <laughs> Moss. But then what if you bump into someone and you're like... Who are they? What are they like? <laughs> They're really nice. Are they up for it? <laughs> <laughs> it's the review again. They're nice. They're nice. <laughs> mm, that yeah. is tempting, a and, nice um, person. And not... Uh, also, but what's happened to my family? Where have they gone? They've been driven away by you. It's a different you. life. It's a different life. I am not drive them away. <laughs> you drive people away, Jen. Um, I think, look, I'm going full druid if I'm not going to be a householder dedicated to the service of my family. But you, I reckon <laughs> you should f focus on your personal contentment, evolving and developing yourself, and taking these opportunities as they come without imposing anything on them. None of us escape from our childhood conditioning without trauma and damage, and none of us escape from the social conditioning and the strong obligations placed upon us to live and conform to particular patterns of our heterogeneous lifestyle. <laughs> But I reckon 
for everyone concerned, Jen, find a cave <laughs> and get some cement. Oh. <laughs> I'm joking. Now, I reckon that you should, as long as you are feeling fulfilled and content in yourself, I, I would investigate. You're a very young person, and I think that you, who knows what catalytic effects will be felt by the introduction of another person. My mate said something interesting the other day. He goes, everything you think you know is from your perspective. The perspective of God is beyond subjectivity. That's what we're assuming, that there is an objective truth beyond subjectivity. Like, think of your most strongly held beliefs. It's all just come from via ed and via experiences even if it's something you've been told by someone else the fact that that belief or philosophy is attractive to you is because of your individual biases so i reckon like the reason i'm bringing that up i suppose is because i think allow yourself to change because i don't think there's such a thing as a solid self that's immovable i believe we have an essence but i think there's so much mutability in the type of lives we could live sounds like a hermit crab <laughs> Sound like her. Did you just have this whole conversation with me? So that you How could would say I know something? that you were going to say that? You know the sort of things I say. I'm always going to say something about the essence and mutability. I'm always going to say something like Jen at the end. I'll always yeah. get to that point. That was a genuine question. I say go on a few dates, see how it goes. Alright. See how it goes. Okay. Try being yourself. Don't conceal it. I have to a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Conceal it a little bit. Don't... Let out the full self. No one needs that. Take that to your grave with you. My advice. All right, so here's some comments. Comments, comments. Play Sting, Jen. Now time for comments. Steph Hoy. Again? I've How many times are you going to do comments from Steph Hoy? I'm sure I've read that name. No. Gal, have you read that It was a good comment. No, he hasn't. He doesn't listen to Under the Skin. He pretends like he cares. Of course he does. He's loyal. No. I never stop. He's letting he never listen, listen to, to it, it now. <laughs> I've heard Steph underscore Hoy. I've Maybe seen it. Maybe she's a big fan. Well, it looks like we've got one listener. <laughs> Might as well be from Barbara Brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steph Hoy. All right, Steph. <laughs> if there any subjects you want me to cover in particular, might as well. well as people so seem to like her, her comments. Huh? People seem to like what she says. Who's people? Because I have a look and I see then that some people like people's comments. So then I, I have a look and don't pretend there's a research process. <laughs> you're picking stuff out of the Are air you? at random because you're so busy trotting around Norwich with your fancy woman that you can't be asked to do your job properly. <laughs> <laughs> like trotting around Norwich like I show pony. Trotting around. You're trotting around. What boots were you wearing? Those expensive ones off the no, internet. No, I wouldn't. That's what too much. That was too much for. I wore my black primary Converse looking. Ones. Yeah, they're quite nice. Yeah. Well, that was probably a good choice. And good choice. Blue but jeans. you can trot in those, Jen. I've seen you. Where was the emphasis of your weight? Through the ball of the foot or the heel? <laughs> Through the ball, it wasn't was it? It was not. It was the heel. You were clip clopping. <laughs> Steph Hoy, as usual. <laughs> Steph Hoy, would you? Uh, like, I mean, I might as well do a podcast called Steph Hoy. But What's it like nice being you? To have a regular. He used to have regulars on the radio show. Yeah, it uh, wasn't one regular. Who? It wasn't a regular. <laughs> like there was Mr. Nibs or whatever yeah. he was called. <laughs> we you all go. enjoyed him. That's the new Mr. Nibs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new Mr. Nibs. You were Mr. Nibs once. Now look at you. You've risen through the ranks. <laughs> Stephen Hoy. Yes, I've been through this with my ex-partner, the father of my little boy. What's she talking about? Oh, all right, sorry. Comments. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Steph. 
But if we... If, <laughs> if she's our only listener, we're going to have to learn the nuances of her life. She's talking about the Elizabeth Burton Phillips episode that we did where we talked about drugs, addiction, and what it's like to love someone who's an addict. <laughs> she says I've been through this with my ex-partner the father of my little boy it wasn't until I stopped trying to help him that he got better by himself sometimes helping him enables him to continue good point Steph Hoy. I mean I can't argue with you because if I fall out of your favour I won't have any comments to read out if she ghosts us we're done we're out of content if she cancels our subscription <laughs> we're all ruined <laughs> ah here's someone I've not read before Lady Loretta Sklowaski. This is also Steph. I've been involved. I think an addict becomes an addict. Jenny, you've written the word important in a pen at the end of this Because comment. I think there was a word left out because I found that it was not flowing. You you've, you're censoring these comments? Well, it's not a censoring. It's the opposite. You're embellishing them? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can figure it out. Okay, well, let's read it and see if it makes any sense. I think an addict becomes an addict because they're looking for a way out of having to face up to a life they don't feel comfortable in. It's a shame that the stigma still exists, but the understanding why people feel they cannot cope is because society today isn't conducive for a sensitive soul. Did I just add a word that doesn't make sense? Well, no, it just says the word important, oh, Jen. It's an important word. So comment. that would read, isn't conducive for a sensitive soul important? No, it can't look, look. be that. No, you see the little arrow. I do see a little <laughs> arrow, Jen. to go in between those two words. All right, all right. <laughs> It's a shame that stigma still exists, but the understanding why people feel they cannot cope is, is important. important because society today See? isn't conducive for a sensitive soul. See? You've just, I don't think you were right to do this. Okay. To Lady Loretta Sklowaski, a.k.a. Steph Hoyes. But if, the, if it was missing, you'd say, why didn't you produce this no, it's properly? it's the same as like in the intro where it goes, Yeah, no. welcome to the... Sh- podcast james nestor he also worked with national geographic explorer sounds like it sounds like this is going to be written by a farmhand in 19th century suffolk he also worked with he worked a lot with yeah, a new, he got a new seed drill this fella you can trust them i was worried though that it was not correct and cool. then then he'd pick on me for that too your concern that you're not correct is a justifiable okay. one because you are not correct, Jen. And as soon as you start focusing on remedying that, instead of trotting around <laughs> Norwich in your little bejeweled plimp cells. What? <laughs> All right. Here's some listener shout out. Shout out. Let's do a jingle for that. Listener shout out. Do you don't like making jingles? And make sure um, there's a variety of sounds. Well, this one should be more Change hip-hop. your pitch. Listener shout outs. That's how I want it to sound. Okay. Listen to shout outs. Shine, who went to SOAS and didn't understand the Adam Curtis episode. That's the shout out. I'm not over shout outs. Who are you blaming so, Charlie? No, for I'm this? not blaming anyone. I'm going to see if you're going to blame me. I am blaming and then, you. Right now, who are you blaming? But, so you're blaming someone else then. Kim Noble. <laughs> Kim Noble out of Noble and Silver. Kim Noble, a hospice nurse. Oh, no, it's just the same name. Kim Noble, a hospice, although that wouldn't surprise me if Kim Noble had become a hospice nurse as a sort of a immersive art piece. Kim Noble, a hospice nurse, wrote, Be Still My Heart. Oh, God, it's a sincere thing. I'm sorry, Kim. 
the we're going to be sincere in it from a hospice nurse. Hospice nurse is not going to go, hey man, what's up? And then like do like a sort of a picture of some rad hands. All right, let's concentrate. Be still my heart. Your most recent interview with David Kessler is phenomenal. I'm a hospice nurse and can't thank you enough for bringing attention to the Western culture of denying death. It's so vitally important to discuss our deaths and to address inevitable. Keep up the fine work. Thank you for expanding my paradigm to the primordial spirit animals. I am a seal. I also think Jenny May should be sacked. Well, that's a lovely shout out there to Kim Noble and to Shine. So that's good. Revelation. Here's a revelation. I've written a book, an audible original called Revelation. It's me to write. Hold on. Let's see if I can pitch this correctly. Revelation right now. You're going to love this book, <laughs> audible original, because what it was, was I... Wait, I'm going to turn so I can see some people's faces. I can't be looking at Jen for this. She's <laughs> hopeless. She sat there with your arms crossed like someone who's going to not give me a job when I'm <laughs> my first job interview out of prison. Like I'm... Like I'm a um, who's the amount of Shawshank? M Morgan Freeman. Like I'm Morgan Freeman <laughs> in a job interview, out of straight out of prison. And you look at you, your hoity-toity employer. <laughs> anyway, so Revelation is a book about finding the spiritual in everyday life. Originally, I was going to write it by meeting loads of spiritual gurus and philosophers and that. Then the pandemic kicked in, so I was instead forced to go within and recognise how spirituality in my own life is saving me from a life of total mundanity. Now, I want them in to be other things. Like, so that you have no choice but to find God, because otherwise you get wrapped up in materialism and ideas that can't help you. I mean, I have to go on TV shows and promote this, and it's very difficult to talk about discovering the divine on a TV show because it's antithetical. That's the challenge I face. You know, I'm on a TV show. They go, coming up after the break, we're talking to that guy who used to be in Sarah Marshall. Go! And then I go, there it is, God! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sat there shivering on Zoom like a little weirdo. It's difficult. So this is kind of the dynamic. So you should be practicing. What do you mean? You're Kelly and Ryan or you're James Corden yeah. or Jimmy Fallon <laughs> or whoever. Yeah. Go on then, ask me a question. What's the book about? <laughs> I'm glad you've asked that, Jimmy Fallon, because it's a good book and that's for sure as eggs is eggs. Yeah. It's all about how you've got to find God in the everyday, Jimmy. Something that wouldn't do you any harm, let me tell you, because I've seen the way you've been conducting yourself this evening like a devil worshipper. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I were able to rip your shirt open, which I would do if I was there in the flesh, by the by, to find a pentagram etched on it and Alistair Crowley's complete works tucked down the front of your trousers and if it's not Alistair Crowley's complete works then boy take me out for dinner sometime because I'm interested in that rectangular organ I'd probably say something like that now straight from the subject haven't I yeah too far mm -hmm. James no um, Billy J Jimmy Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> Billy <laughs> <laughs> because we want to it was Billy Piper there I've gone back in time for a while huh. Revelation is about um, discovering God in the everyday and how after looking for God in many many places through my rudimentary addictions to like drugs crack and heroin and everything I realised that all of it is a request for connection and purpose. And it's very hard to find connection, purpose and meaning in this world. And the pandemic has shown up that there's flexibility in our systems that we haven't thought about before. We're living in a time of fracture and fragmentation, Billy. Why? <laughs> because we want to. <laughs> and we've got to find a way back home, back to the divine. And the only way to do that is to try and find meaning and purpose in every moment. And try and, yeah? Like that? Yeah. But somehow a blend of the two would be nice. Yeah. All go in with God. <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't keep mentioning God. I know everyone tells me that. I can't shut up about it. Like the book agent says, you know, God can be quite divisive, e.g. the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're all right, you're all right. But that's what's happened. I've become a religious nut. And that's that, isn't it? Anything else? I, I like the latter. I'd go in with the latter about rediscovering... Purpose and meaning. meaning. Use purpose and meaning. Through the pandemic. Purpose and meaning through the pandemic. Being stripped of ability to mindlessly consume and was forced to confront that I need to find purpose and meaning through connection to other people and through nature. It's a bit more catchy, that, isn't it? Right. It's going to be like that. Anyway, that's available on Audible <laughs> on Audible Originals. Please pre-order it because it makes me look good if you pre-order things. And also, it's a very enjoyable book. It's probably about five hours worth of entertainment, I reckon. Do you reckon, Jen? Yeah. Yeah, nods are helpful. <laughs> Christ, isn't it marvellous? Um, and also, remember to sign up for the mailing list, stroke alliance, stroke... Uh, what's this word, Jen? It's spelled C-L-I-Q-U-E. Click. No. Click. Because you can say click the link. It's <laughs> not an advantage. Yeah, it's it a is. click or an alliance but or where's it, collective. Where's the eek coming from? Q-U-E. Is that not uh? <laughs> is that not uh? <laughs> Jen, don't you go on another date with that poor woman. I don't want her being dragged up and down Norwich High Street in search for a coffee where somebody goes, is that not uh? That's not normal comms. It's not normal comms. Remember to watch the YouTube channel. You're going to love, for example, my video, probably one of the ones you might want to look at. I mean, Harry and Meghan, great video, showing about the hair, puffed out too much to the side. <laughs> it's because I was putting too many things on my head earlier. In a meditation video, I was doing scarves and stuff. Um, but there's a really good one to be about uh, breaking up tech companies, which I'm sure <laughs> Lumina would be thrilled about, and Amazon. <laughs> oh, crikey, we're in a real conundrum, aren't we? Well, that's the nature of modern economies. But in any in any event, it's a very good video. Have a look at that one, the one about breaking up tech. Follow me on Twitter, Insta, TikTok, LinkedIn, and a new thing called... No, there are no others. Just follow me on those. All right, well, thanks very much. And now let's get into this goddamn interview. Poor <laughs> Imagine James Nesta sitting with his family. Like, no, in a minute. He'll, be, he'll just been doing that 10-second circle, wouldn't he? Just dabbing on that. <laughs> forward another 10 seconds oh god he's still talking who is this Irish woman he's talking to someone who ain't even mic'd <laughs> oh, what do you mean book anyway there's a link available to get that book and all the information you need is available to you follow me on social media and for god's sake sign up to my mailing list go over to russellbrand.com reskinned website looking real real good by now I'm sure thank you very much trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. It feels that you can't discuss something as rudimentary as respiration without encroaching on the territory of sociology and biopolitics and the way that our lives have been managed and mismanaged did writing this book become a politicized for you mm, that's a good question and uh it wasn't at the beginning because i spent years and years on this book um talking with researchers who have been studying this stuff for 
for decades, literally, no one was really listening to them. They were publishing these weird academic journals with these terrible titles on the on their papers. And, you know, the book came out six weeks into a pandemic. Obviously, we had no idea that this was going to happen. The book was scheduled to come out six months beforehand. And a, a lot of political movements based around breathing um, and and people being denied breath. So uh, it was all of these things, a respiratory pandemic, uh, this political movement together that I think allowed people to try to recontextualize their relationship with breathing, uh, which is something that, again, seems so simple, but, but it's really not. It's not binary. It's, it's not that we do it or don't do it. There, there's so many permutations within it. What, why did you embark on this five-year odyssey what was the inciting incident and why it sounds hard yeah. <laughs> well i never uh intended to to write a book about breathing that that wasn't something i set out to do but i kept finding stories and people and incidences that that didn't add up and what i mean by that is i was sent out on an assignment to write about free divers these are people who can hold their breath for like five, six, seven, eight minutes at a time and dive to cool. depths below what scientists thought was possible. And I saw this and I went back and reported it and people said, no, you, you can't do that. You're going to die. Well, I saw it. There, there's the video. And then these free divers told me about people who were using breathing to heal themselves of incurable conditions and to heat themselves up, literally to, they were able to sit in ice for an hour at a time and heat themselves up with breathing. I thought this was all BS until I went out in the field and, and found that it's 100% true. It's been scientifically validated and all the proof is out there. And yet so many of us still don't consider our breath to be this powerful thing. Is it a particular tradition, this free diving in a particular location? All over the world, people have been doing this. There's archaeological evidence that dates back 10,000 years. So this is how you used to get red coral. Uh, which grows below about 30 meters. You would have to free dive for it. The Greeks were really into free diving. Um, you know, pearl diving is what, what they called it. Um, the Japanese were very into free diving. They still are. The Ama divers, all women divers. So all over the world in coastal areas, people were free diving. They understood the power of holding your breath, what the breath could do for you. And then even after that, ancient cultures have been writing about breathing as a medicine for literally thousands of years. That's what yoga is. Yoga began as a technology of breathing. There were no movements to it before. What are the implications for a materialist uh, scientific study if there are arcane methodologies that are discovered and put into practice without access to the kind of enhanced sensory data that underwrites much of our modern understanding of breath work. Well, what's so great about breathing is it's so easy to measure right now. A lot of people have instruments, heart rate variability monitors, blood pressure cuffs at their houses, pulse oximeters. But even you go into a lab and it's, it's very easy to measure what happens to the brain, what happens to your circulation, your heart rate, your nervous system function. And so that, you know, before 100 years ago, we weren't able to do this, which is why nobody in the West really believed that breathing 
could take us to all these places and do all of these things. They believed it in the East because they had uh, anecdotal evidence. They could see it transforming people. But that's what, what really sort of turned the dial for me is to know that I could go into a lab and I could talk to people, scientists at, at top institutions who were studying this stuff and measuring it. Once you have data and measurements, it's really hard to argue that something isn't working. I mean, there it is right there in front of you. You think that that's, in a sense, now that we have access to this, these systems of measurement, you can't walk it back and consider that at some point these things were presumably experientially founded. But for me, obviously, I see it as uh, ancillary to chanting, meditative te techniques, cities, the potential for you know, levitation, kinetic, kinetic powers, some of the other ideas that are spoken of scripturally and vedically where you know as you've pointed out a great deal of this sort of breath technology is sort of explained in detail i, I kind of perhaps because of my own nature it seems to me that you're sort of uh, you enjoy as do i uh, scientific discoveries scientific method and scientific representation of data because of precisely because of the empiricism but um, i also like the conjecture around mystery and the idea that <clears throat> in our pursuit of modernity under the auspices of the myth of progressivism we have discarded information that would be valuable to us as individuals that has only been neglected because it's difficult to commodify and to turn into a product i believe that some of that is is true i heard from various researchers i won't name them again at, at top institutions they said that the reason why more people aren't hearing about this is you can't make money off of breathing it's really hard this is something free it's available to everyone everywhere we carry around our breath with us all day long all night long and we can hone that and, and really get some benefits from it. So, you know, along the lines of, of people not believing things and, and looking at data and changing people's minds, there is this tradition in, in Buddhist in monasteries in which to go up to the next level of monkhood, you have to sit outside at night and breathe and melt a circle in the snow during winter. And this had been written about for hundreds and hundreds of years. This guy Naropa wrote about it a thousand years ago. And then this, this Belgian, French anarchist opera singer by the name of Alexandra David Neal went out to the Himalayas for 14 years and rediscovered this. Still nobody believed it until Herbert Benson at Harvard Medical Center, um, medical school, went out to Dharamsala, got these monks, hooked them up with all these sensors, and showed that they were able to do this. They were able to heat up their extremities by 17 degrees uh, just by breathing. They were able to dry wet sheets over their shoulders in a cold room just by breathing. And that paper came out in the 80s. And you still get people that say, oh, this is impossible. We can't do that. Well, you can see the videos of it and you can read the scientific paper, which was published in Nature, the most esteemed scientific journal in the world. So, you know, there's only so much of that you can do for people who um, try to deny the power of this stuff. Look at the data and look at the science and, and then you can have a discussion. What do you think about, uh, what did that breath look like? The one that could dry sheets and stuff. Did it look dramatic? It looked like Wim Hof. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with Wim. So he's, he's just adopted 
this breathing technique. And he's very, I, t- I talk with Wim semi often. Amazing guy. He's done more to bring awareness to breathing than, than in my opinion, than anyone else in, in the last hundred years. But he didn't invent any of this stuff. And people didn't believe Wim could do this stuff until, you know, he broke 26 world records. You know, he's hiking up Everest in, in shorts, <laughs> you know, running, running a marathon. He's sitting in an ice bath for two hours without getting frostbite and hypothermia. It's supposed to be impossible. And, uh, and it's so, finally, so many people have gotten the message and they're using his, his methods not only to heat themselves up, but to overcome autoimmune diseases, which they were told were incurable. So it really feels like with scientific measurement right now and with access to all of these ancient methods, which used to be very secretive, we're coming to a moment where people are starting to really understand and acknowledge the, the power of their breathing. That's pretty cool. So we could align these ancient m- m- mystical methods with modern scientific measurement tools to kind of underwrite a new approach to, you know, yeah, biology and survival and thriving. And of course, I do know him and I'm a tremendous fan of him. You know, of course, his work and also his extraordinary personality, the sort of easy, I would say Nordic, even though I know he's Dutch, but the sort of Viking bombast of having the character around your house, which I've had there privilege of uh, experiencing he came with his son who's like he's a missary isn't he in arms like so that whim can communicate with earth and like i feel like um yeah i do that and i've done that breathing today actually and, and after you that i can after four or five rounds of wim hof inhalation exhalation full uh, body capacity breathing uh, hold my breath for four minutes i mean that's impressive because given that my you know at first it's a struggle to do a minute and then after one round a couple of minutes etc um but like it's fascinating that people can swim around you know for six or eight minutes underwater with that kind of pressure i just i, I suppose what, what 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 much of whim's work illustrates is unexplored capacities of human potential that are not necessarily connected to something you need to buy but just techniques that you can learn and also i like it that another thing i like about Wim is how democratic he is about like anyone can do it anyone can do it it's not i'm not special you know it's a he's a sort of a yogi really isn't he? he's gone on a mission of devotion through breath and yeah as you say it's difficult to think of someone comparable and you know he's just one person in a long line of people who have been able to harness these abilities. There was this other guy, Swami Rama, in the 1970s. He allegedly could do all of these incredible things with meditation and breathing. Nobody believed it. He went into a lab with a Navy physicist and was able to move around the temperature on the same hand, 11 degrees Fahrenheit, from his pinky to his thumb. And he was able to make his heart flutter at 300 beats a minute. And this was written about in the New York Times. So, uh, and it was all measured there by, again, a Navy physicist, you know, not, not a, uh, some, some new age dude. So uh, the fact that these stories have been around for so long, but people just sort of say, huh, that's interesting. Anyway, you know, but back to my Pepsi and, and, and Tiger King, I think is interesting because these stories reveal something about our bodies and, and what they're capable of. And I think that they also reveal something about how we can heal ourselves in the future and and progress as a species instead of regress. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly the implication. And it's a challenging one when pursued because any idea that challenges the interests of the powerful and the prevailing mm, myth, you know, that, that that's it's obviously disruptive. And it's I think it's interesting to speak about it in these terms. And I, I accept that people need to understand it both sort of sci- need to see it scientifically. And then, then it needs to be popularized and made accessible uh, precisely because of the health benefits and i see the correlations that you draw between breath and diet and i see how both of these cases it's uh, the result of suffering endured because we've become detached from our nature it's interesting like that these sort of um you know enlightenment rationalist ideas when challenged uh, you're always charged with, oh, you know, that it's romant. You're a romantic and the sort of noble, savage type um, idea. But I so, so perhaps that's why, and just because I suppose you accept the conditions of our time, are keen to present this information in terms of what can be measured. Right. I'm going to cut you off there. I'm going to cut you off at the nib, and the nub, the nub is where I'm cutting you off. If you're enjoying this conversation, join me over at Luminary for the rest of our discussion for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin. Go over to luminarypodcasts.com to start your free trial. Jordan Peterson's on there. Tony Robbins is on there. Naomi Klein's on there. You will learn radical ideas in an accessible way. Thank you.